God's stories are something that we love to share here at Livingstone Church, and we become a regular rhythm of part of what we do. And I know there are some out here this morning, but before you get to share, I want to share a little bit of a God sighting I had just yesterday with the elders. Um, leadership is hard, and it is painful um, sometimes. And it was really neat yesterday just to see some healing taking place amongst our leadership and forgiveness, and, and just watching folks come around those who were hurting at the retreat and loving on them and treasuring them and encouraging them. And we started out on Friday night. Glenn led us in this prayer time. And, and we were supposed to just thank the Lord for one other person in that room. And we went on for 30 minutes just people thanking for each other in that room. And I'm telling you what, that's really exciting to watch our elder team come together and gel. And I'm really excited to see, you know, we've got eight elders now um, and see that that team grow stronger together and get really excited about leading this church body well and ministering to the needs of this church body. So had a great weekend doing that. So we got another guy deciding. Come on. Yeah, here you go. What you got? Melissa? Oh, hold on. Hold on. We got to get a mic. They're right here. We've had requests to put these online. So is that okay? That's a great. Because our children's, our children's people would really love to hear about these. So normally I have a pretty decent voice, but not today. But I just wanted to let you all know that God is amazing, as we all, I guess we do know that. But um, the last few weeks, um, he's really been working on me and my family and my crier. So um, this last hunting season, I decided that I wanted to go hunting again because we needed meat in our freezer. We weren't blessed with it because apparently we still have enough. <clears throat> but... We took the time, and as many of you know, Travis and I are not married anymore. But he is a wonderful hunting guide and partner in hunting. We took our sons with us. We enjoyed the time out in nature with God and enjoyed the time together as hunting partners. And it's just been pretty amazing. It's not to say that things are going to necessarily change for us. We don't know that. It's not up to us. It's up to God to let us know whether or not that's where he wants us to be. But it was the most amazing time. And I just wanted to let you all know that even through the hardship of divorce and the pain that has gone on with that, he has healed our relationship as friends. Y'all know I'm okay with awkward silence, so, you know. <laughs> One more this morning. There we go. All right, Daryl, that's what I'm talking about. I'm a little reluctant to credit everything to the Lord, but uh, I had an experience that uh, some of you are probably going to say it had nothing to do with him, but uh, I was laying in bed, trying to go to sleep, and without any prompting, um, the thought came to me I should check the gas valve on the barbecue. I had used it about three or four days before. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to find, but I went out and checked, and sure enough, it was open. Uh, so that's all I wanted to say was that when thoughts come to me without my prompting, I have to credit him and say thank you. 
Amen. Thank you. Um, so, First Peter chapter two, verse nine through ten says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christy, for reading scripture for us this morning. You're all awake now. Hey, that's good. We might, hey, John, plan to do one of those a couple times during the sermon today, okay? Just, just no, no, oh, no, okay, no, not, that's a bad idea, all right. Well, um, this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 48. Um, last time we got together and we spoke on Genesis after our celebration service last week. How many of y'all had fun last week? Oh, yeah. Now, okay, we got to work on our square dancing a little bit. We, we we're going to have to, we're gonna have, we have to have some practice runs and some practice nights, but uh, we're going to need a little more space next year for square dancing because we got a little more people involved in that, but that was a lot of fun. Um, and for those of you who say the chili cook-off was rigged, it wasn't rigged, okay? It was a blind contest. Nobody knew it was my wife's chili. I'm telling you, okay? It wasn't rigged. And Daryl, congratulations on the pie, pie champion there. Woohoo! All right. We had a lot of fun, and so we had time to celebrate, and that's important. Brothers and sisters, we of all people, as children of God, have the greatest reason to celebrate. Amen. Amen. And it was so cool watching our community just uh, do loops around that cul-de-sac and like drive to the, do the slow drive-by, right? And like, what is going on? Those can't be Christians. They're dancing, like, right, you know? But we were having a good time out there, okay? But uh, this morning we're back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 48. So hopefully you have your Bibles turned there. We'll begin by reading here and starting in verse 1. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. And so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. And then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to God, or excuse me, and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples and give you and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are, and the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. And they shall be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrathah, I buried her there on the way to Ephrathah, which is now where that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. Behold, 
God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So we've got something that's really beautiful that is taking place here in this passage. And if you're not familiar sometimes with ancient Near East customs, with most people aren't, you know, it's, it's a learning curve for this. What we have taking place in these first 12 verses in an ancient Near Eastern custom is an adoption process. And I'm going to kind of demonstrate this this morning. For those of you who don't know, um, my wife and I, God put it upon our hearts a couple years ago to adopt, thank you, sweetheart, um, to adopt a couple of girls from China. And the first girl we, we'd had a long conversation about, we first were going to adopt a girl with, with, um, that was a healthy, considered a healthy child, and, but we were joining the military, so God enabled us to adopt a special needs child. And so both of our girls were born with spina bifida. And so we adopted the first child, Catherine, if you come up here, Eddie. And so we adopted Catherine first, and she became part of our family um, on Labor Day, 2008. And I guess I can get I know, I know. 2008. And we got to hold her in our arms. And it was as if she was always our child. And then, and while I was deployed in Iraq, this was so much fun. Like, life was a little chaotic when you're deployed, right? And my wife calls me on Skype, and we were having children challenges at home. Ethan thought he was the man of the house, and so he was, oh, I'm the man of the house. Like, 10 years old, and like, ruling things with an iron fist, and then Elijah was, we were, we, Elijah and I kind of got a special connection, and he was just mad. He was mad for a year, the dad was gone, and so he was angry, and Catherine was new to the family, and this whole world was chaos. The, the father she had known for a year was now gone for a year. So world was chaos, and Christy like, calls me up and says, guess what, I, I, I want to adopt another child, and I'm, I came so close to end, end, stop Skype session, you know? Um, what? What are you thinking? Um, and well, sure enough, God worked it out just wonderfully. That God put it on my heart as well. And little Kira, if you'll come up here, we decided to adopt little Kira. You don't come over here, you. You don't get a hide. You don't get a hide. And, and so it's really cool. And I'm, I'm going to use our daughters this morning to kind of exemplify the process that was taking place. And so it, Israel would have been sitting down, and he would ask for Joseph to bring his sons to him. Now, you might be saying, this is kind of weird. Well, these are... These are Joseph's sons. Why is he adopting them? Well, because he is making them go from being his grandkids to being his kids. And so what he does is he has them sit down on his knees, right? And, he's, and it's not that he doesn't know who they are. He knows who they are. He knows their Manasseh and Ephraim. But it's this part of this adoption process where, where Joseph names these children and Joseph releases his control as father over his children to now his father. And they're being adopted in, in this beautiful picture. And now, all of a sudden, Manasseh and Ephraim have the same rights and the same privileges as Joseph, as Simeon, as Reuben, as Levi, as Judah, as Zebulun, as Issachar, as Dan, as Naphtali, as Benjamin. Did I get them all? Asher. Thank you. Bam. I knew I was going to forget one. Right? They, all of a sudden, now Manasseh and Ephraim have those same rights. Now, what's crazy, thank you girls so much for doing that. You can go to Kidville if you want to. Thank you, girls. Give them a round of applause. Right? 
And, and they're given the same rights. And what's crazy is I'm reading through Hosea right now. And, and, and if you know the, the, the prophet Hosea, man, Ephraim is a mess up kid, right? The nation of Ephraim is bad news. I mean, God like puts a major punishment on Ephraim. But you see, that adoption wasn't because they're going to be super stellar kids. It's because God saw fit through Jacob that these might become two of the tribes of the nation of Israel. It was in the hand and the providence of God. There's something so beautiful going on here as we think about the greater Jacob. Who's the greater Jacob? The greater Jacob is Jesus Christ. And that because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done, we read here, as, as Christy read this morning in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. Hear that. God is speaking to all of us. Once we were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. Once and at a time, Catherine and Kira were not Morris kids. They were Deng Zhao Chen and Zen Shi Han. They weren't Morris kids, but guess what? God put upon hearts and we got to bring them. And now they're, they're Morris kids and they once didn't have an inheritance. Once they didn't, they didn't have this, they didn't have that, that, that family to call mom and dad. They didn't have it. And for those of us who were raised with that, we, we were like, we could take that for, for granted. But they didn't have that. But now they've got a family, not because Christy and I are such great people. Please don't. No, no. No, no but because of who God is. And once you and I were, were distant, foreign, alien to God, once we were not a people, once we were distant from God because of what Jesus Christ, the greater Jacob, accomplished on the cross, we are now able to be called children of the Almighty God, adopted into the very family of God. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Once not a people, but now able to call people. And we've got... I understand that when we talk about as a church body that we're a spiritual family, that evokes a lot of different emotions for people, especially if you didn't come from a good family setting. And the idea of father, there's a lot of father wounds out there, that the idea of father is a really bad taste in your mouth. But when you become part of the family of God, you're given the opportunity to cry out, Abba, Father, to a father who will never let you down, who loves you, who cherishes you, who will never fail you, who will never falter, because he sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. And every time he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see your messiness. He sees my child, my precious child of God, my my possession, my people. That's how God sees you and me through Jesus Christ, adopted into the family of God. 
What a beautiful picture we see is, is Jacob takes Manasseh and Ephraim, and, and we know they're not these perfect individuals, and the nations that are going to come from them are messy and broken and need of redemption, just like the rest of us. But it doesn't matter. He brings them upon his knee, just like he brings us, and he calls us by name to be his children, to be his chosen people. And I know some people want to push away against that idea of being chosen by God, but let me tell you what, don't. Don't. To say you're chosen by God gives you the greatest worth that you ever can have in the world. God chose you to his delight, for his glory, and for our good. We then move from the idea of the blessing of adoption to the blessing of the adopted. We see here in Genesis chapter 48, verses 13 to 22, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. So we know that Israel's eyesight is dimming. It's like his father. We might see a congenital defect going on here where, where both of them have struggled with eyesight in their old age. And, and, and so Joseph properly lines up the boys. With, with the oldest one, so when the oldest one approaches, then, then Jacob's right hand, Israel's right hand, would be placed upon his head, and then the younger one would be placed upon his head. So, so Joseph lines them up and brings them towards his father in the right order of things. Well, so we think. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on e the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel has redeemed me from evil. Bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed him that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessing, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope, that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. It's quite interesting what's taking place here because there's, there's a little bit of play going on here because if you remember back when Jacob was blessed by Isaac, Isaac, his, his eyesight was dimming too, right? And, and Rebekah, Isaac's wife, knew that Jacob was supposed to be the one that would be blessed. Why? Because he was the favored one, her favorite one. And Esau was the older than Jacob. And, and so Rebekah hears of it's time for Isaac to die, and it's time for the sons to receive the blessing, tricks 
tricks Isaac by dressing Jacob up like Esau and taking a meal in that Esau would have prepared his father. And, and, and Jacob receives the blessing then, okay? So there was this whole deceit, and Jacob means deceit, deceivery. So it's really significant that God changes his name to Israel to go from deceiver to father of nations. But now it's time for Jacob to bless his kids. Very well, I think, of his own actions, right? Um, he ensures he knows what's going on when he's blessing these two. He makes sure that he knows that, nope, this is the way it's supposed to be. The younger is going to be greater than the older. And he blesses them. This idea of blessing is so beautiful and so powerful that Jacob is, is speaking this prophetic word over his sons, knowing what God's will and intention is for their lives, and he's blessing them and saying that you, now you're going to be a great nation, and you're going to, have, you're going to bear my name in the name of my father Isaac and the name of his father Abraham, and you're going to be a great people and a great nation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and, and, and I apologize. Well, no, I'm not really apologize. I just want you to be aware that I can't read Ephesians chapter 1 monotone. So bear with me. All praised to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before the world, don't miss that, even before the world, God loved us and chose us. I want to say this. God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Don't miss this is what God wanted to do. He desired to do this for us. And he gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear sons. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And he has showered. I love that imagery. Showered. How many of y'all took a shower? Oh, no, I'm not going to ask a question. I mean, like, showered as the water's just pouring over you, cascading it down upon you. God's kindness and mercy just pours down upon us. It's abundant. It's never ending. His hot water doesn't run out. Amen. Who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. We were a costly adoption. You know, to adopt our daughters, you know, you know $25,000, $30,000 each adoption. Pales. Pales. Can't even hold a candle to what it cost us to adopt us. For God to look on us as sons of his sons and daughters cost him his son's life, Jesus Christ. The blood was the only way 
for us to be called sons and daughters of the Most High King. We cost God a ton. And he delighted to do so. It gave him great pleasure for us to be called his sons and daughters. And he forgave our sins and he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God now has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. He just doesn't adopt us and say, well, you're my children now. He says, I'm going to give you the same rights and privileges as my son. I'm going to give you this inheritance. And we've earned none of it. We deserve none of it. We're Ephraim. We're Manasseh. We're a bunch of screwed up people. They're going to perpetuate screwed up people. Right? I love my kids, but they're sinners in need of grace. Amen? And our grandkids, God bless them, are going to need grace and mercy. They're going to need the inheritance of God. And we're given this inheritance. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. It's a good plan. It's a perfect plan. It's a sovereign plan. And God's purpose was that he, that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would replace praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. What's your identification, brothers and sisters? Is it, is it carpenters, woodworkers? Is it bankers, lawyers? Is it medical professionals? No. Is it fathers? Is it mothers? Is it grandparents? No. Your identification as his own, his children, that's your identification now. That's who you are. And I want to encourage our youth in the room. I know right now you're, you're, you may be stressing out. People may be asking, what are you going to do when you grow up? Like you're five years old. Like you're going to know, right? I'm five years old. I'm in fifth grade. I'm, I'm 10th grade. I still don't know, right? You know, I, I, we just talked to Ethan, and Ethan's a sophomore in college, and he's freaking us out. He's going, I don't know. I think he's an electrical engineer, but I don't know. But you know, it's okay. You know why? Because that's not his identity. His identity is what? Child of God. His identity isn't his degree plan. His identity is child of God. And God's going to take him to some crazy places he don't even know about. We can't even fathom. That's our identity. By giving you the Holy Spirit who we promised long ago, God's inheritance gift to us is the Holy Spirit, his very presence within us. And the Spirit is, is God's guarantee. Oh, man, how many of y'all like guarantees? When I buy a motor or when I go to, one thing that drives me nuts is I go to the mechanic, right? And he fixes my car. He says, well, 30-day guarantee. I'm like, really? That's all you can give me? I just spent $1,000 in your shop, and I got 30 days. That makes me a little nervous, right? But God says, the Holy Spirit's presence is a guarantee. The word 
that's used in scripture is sealed. God seals us with his spirit as his own people. And nobody can break that seal. Nobody. And he guaranteed us he will give us his inheritance. So the presence of the spirit in his life means that we're going to receive this inheritance that is promised to us. And he promised that he was purchased us to be his own people. He did this. Don't miss this. He did this so that we would praise and we would glorify him. The purpose of being called his own, his children, his people, is that we would be objects in his kingdom, be people in his kingdom that would bring him praise and would bring him glory. The blessing of adoption, being taken from a people who weren't a part of the family of God. We were strangers, we were aliens, we were enemies of God. But through Jesus Christ, he grabs us and he takes us and he says, I forgive you. And not once and not twice, but I completely forgive you. Your sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. And every time the Father looks on you, he looks at you through me. And he sees you as children. And he says, they're my children. And since they're my children, they have an inheritance for all of eternity. And I'm going to give them a sign. And I know some of you in this room this morning are struggling with, am I a child of God? Is Am I faithfully following God? Is my faith real? Is my salvation real? And I want to tell you this morning that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is a guarantee that you're his child and that you've got this inheritance. And we all have moments of faith crisis, and it's okay to have those moments of faith crisis. Lean into the body of Christ. Lean into your brothers and sisters and let them speak words of encouragement because guess what? We see the Holy Spirit in you, and we can confirm that, guess what? The Holy Spirit resides within you, and we're going to encourage you in your faith, and we're going to say, you're a child of God. you got an inheritance. Don't doubt that inheritance. You've been blessed as a child of God because Jesus is the greater Jacob, and as great as the blessing that Jacob gives to Manasseh and Ephraim, the blessing that Jesus Christ gives us is far surpasses it. It's beyond anything we can imagine. And then we see this incredible prophetic blessing that takes place. And we're not going to read through Genesis 49. I encourage you to go home and read it this week. But Genesis 49 is very significant in the way the blessing takes place. It begins with the oldest. The oldest of the, of the tribes of Israel, of the sons of Israel, and that's Reuben. Well, we, re- we know about Reuben. We've talked about Reuben. Reuben sinned against his father Jacob by sleeping with one of his wives. His blessing is removed. He's still a son. The sonship is removed. He remains a son, but the blessing's removed. And so we go to the next eldest son, Simeon. Well, Simeon and Levi, they were some, some, some violent men. They decided to avenge their sister's honor by, 
by creating this false covenant with a people, and then they get them to get to circumcise themselves. Like this guy says, "Hey, if you, if you the Simon and Levi say, if you guys circumcise yourselves, then you can marry my sister." And while they're all recovering from circumcision, Simeon and Levi go in and slaughter them, man, women, and children. Simeon and Levi, the next two in line, you will not receive the blessing. You're still sons. That doesn't stop it. You will not receive the blessing. Who does it fall to then? Judah. The blessing falls to Judah. The three oldest sons, blessing removed, it falls to Judah. And this is so significant. This is so significant because when we read Matthew, Chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The son of David. God tells Judah in this, or Jacob tells Judah in this blessing that the scepter will not depart from your line. The scepter is a sign of kingship. It's a sign of authority. And who's David? He's King David, the greatest, one of the greatest kings of Israel. And when Jesus immediately is linked to David, he's immediately linked to Jacob and the blessing in Judah and the blessing that was pronounced here in this place. And we even got to the exodus yet. We haven't even got to the point where they're made slaves yet. And here, all of a sudden in this passage, is the prophetic blessing that you and I get to partake in. This is for us. That's what's just so exciting about this. This blessing of Judah, this is for us. We also read in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. The angel is speaking to Mary here, Joseph's, or Jesus' mom, and says, And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Notice this. He doesn't say the house of Abraham. He doesn't say the house of Isaac. He says the house of Jacob. Jacob gives Judah the blessing. And because of this blessing that has arrived here, it is the promise that through Judah's line will come the Messiah, will come the one that will redeem all people, will fulfill the covenant of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Amen? Oh, this is exciting. I mean, thousands of years before, here in this simple blessing is the prophetic blessing that we become children of God, adopted into the family of God, given an inheritance because of this prophetic blessing that God is using through Jacob to Judah. What's very interesting, though, the scepter shall not depart. We see this in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 24. There's this really wicked king that rises up out of the lineage of Judah called Zedekiah. And the prophet Ezekiel pronounces this over Zedekiah. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your guilt to be remembered and that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your deeds your sins appear because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand, meaning that he's going to get captured. And the time of your final punishment, and you, excuse me, and you, O profane wicked one, prince of Israel, whose day has come, the time of your final punishment. Thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low. Bring low that which is exalted. A ruin, 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 I will make it. 
Thus also shall it not be until he comes to one to whom judgment belongs. And I will give it to him. God is removing the kingship from the authority of men and reserving it for his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. And we see this taking place in Matthew and in the Luke as Jesus fulfills these promises and he establishes the king. And we don't see him fully as king yet. But in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, hear this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found to open the scroll or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open this scroll and its seven seals. God has, the greater Jacob, Jesus Christ, has provided a way for us to be adopted into the family of God. And the Father has guaranteed our inheritance because of the work of Christ and the presence of the Spirit in us. And he has secured the plan to make sure that that promise and that seal and that hope will never fade and never go away with the promise of the book of Revelation with Jesus Christ who will return in his full regality and his full authority and all the nations will not be able to bear it. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords will return and will be invited into the kingdom and the family of God forever and ever. And we will be his people for all time. And no longer will there be sin and suffering and shame and, and messiness and brokenness. But we'll receive that full inheritance. And the beautiful thing about the book of Revelation is when God gave us that book, he gave it to us so that we would not name dates and so that we would not know everything and so that we would not be able to, to, to plan out when Jesus is coming back. He gave it to us so that we might have the confidence to know it's as if it's already done. It's done. Because God's word is faithful and true. And when God says it, there ain't no change in it. And God has spoken the book of Revelation to us so that we might have confidence that our inheritance, that our adoption is secured and is true and God will be faithful to bring us home as his children. And you maybe thought we're going to be talking about Joseph this morning. You see, these things were taking place to point us to Jesus. Jacob was a good father. Jesus is the father God. The father God is the ultimate father. Joseph 
was a great Messiah figure. He was a great, great figure of a person who would save his people. But guess what? His people ends up in slavery. They needed a savior. We need a savior who will make sure that we are free and forever free and never to be brought underneath the yoke of slavery again. You see, all of this imagery in the story of Joseph, the historical story of Joseph, continues to point us that there's a need for the greater, and that greater is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, and Jesus is not your Lord and King, God gave you the Word of God, and he's been writing the Word of God for thousands of years so that you might know And so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so that you might surrender his life so he might be our Lord and our King and our Savior. And maybe you're here this morning and you've had a rough week and it's been a bad season, a long season. And I know for Christy and I, we've just had this cloud hanging over us and we can't explain it for so long. And I needed this this morning. I needed to be reminded. I needed to be reminded that I am a child of God. There was this time when Christy was, we were back in seminary, and Christy was just struggling. She had Cushing's disease, and man, life was hard. And I just turned to her, and I, I didn't know this. It was a total God moment. I turned to her, and I said, Christy, you're a child of God. And every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you just remind yourself you're a child of God. And she just started weeping. And I want to tell you that this morning. You are children of God. And we are children of God so that we might bring glory and honor to our Lord and King and worship. And that's why we do this, what we do on Sunday mornings. We do this so that we might glorify him and praise him together. But guess what? That glorification and praise needs to continue when you walk out those doors and get in our cars and and drive to our homes and go to our jobs and go to the golf courses and go to the places that we go throughout the week. Grocery stores and banks. And all of life, we might be reminded that I'm walking into this situation. I'm walking into this conversation differently because I'm a child of God. And that's my identity. That's who I am. I'm not my sin. I'm not my past. I'm not what other people say of me. I'm a child of God. If you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You are a child of God, and that is who you are, and no one can take that from you. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for the reminder this morning that we are children of God. And that we don't do anything to deserve it. And Lord, you didn't do this begrudgingly. You didn't do this with hesitation. You didn't do this with anger or frustration. You delighted. Father God, you delighted to send your son to shed his blood so that we might be called children of the Most High God. And I can't grasp that. As a father, I can't grasp that. I trust in it. And I rejoice in it. And Lord God, we confess this week, we as your children have not brought glory to your name and we have lived lives that defamed your name. And Lord, we need to repent. But I thank you. 
I thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we never, ever lose that lens of sonship and daughtership in you. That because when you look through Jesus Christ, you see us as children, and that never stops. Lord God, may we be quick to confess. May we never want to see your blessings stop being poured out upon our hearts and our lives because we have sin that is unconfessed in our lives. Lord God, thank you that you are in the business of breaking hard hearts. You are in the business of breaking down walls that we love to put up. You're in the business of speaking softly and quietly to us in the midst of chaos and in the midst of the storm. You've given us your Holy Spirit that we might have the power and the authority to keep getting back up, to keep crying out to God like Peter did when he went down in the water. Lord, save me. Because of the present spirit in our lives, we are guaranteed that you will keep stretching forth your hand and pulling us back up over and over again. Reminding us that our faith needs to increase, that we need to trust you more. Thank you, Lord.